come in, draw near in body or in spirit. Come into this sacred hour, come into this place of peace, this hour, this place that we create together, wherever you are, whoever you are, and no matter who you love, come in and be fed. You are welcome here and it is good to be together. I'm Angela Herrera, the senior minister of this congregation. I'm joined this morning by Associate Minister Bob Lavalley, Music Director Susan Peck, Lay Leader Raven Reed Starr, and our wonderful tech team, including our Tech Arts Director Chris Paul and our volunteer DJ this morning, Dan Small. We are glad to be with you today on this first Sunday of Pride Month. Happy Pride. If you're visiting for the first time, we extend an extra special welcome to you this morning. And we invite you, if you feel comfortable, to share your name and location in the chat box so that we can greet you. As we begin, I wanna also thank Emily Wright Magoon who created our Time for All Ages today. And I want to give a very big thank you to Bob Lavallee. Can we get Bob up here in the spotlight for a second with me? There we go. If you've been a regular attender over the last several months, you know that this is my first Sunday back from a sabbatical leave and that Bob took the lead here during the last four months. I have already heard from many of you that Bob took good care of the congregation while I was away. Bob, I know what it takes to fly solo in this big church and I really appreciate you as I know the congregation does. So thank you so much for all of your good work. You're very welcome, Angela, you know, and <clears throat> uh, I was really glad to be able to hold the space that allowed you to get the deep renewal and rest that you desperately needed and deserved. So I was very happy to do it. But it's it's funny that you use the, the, the phrase fly solo because, you know, in this church, everything we do is an act of co-creation and you know, everything went so well while you were gone because there's a great group of staff and lay leaders who made it all possible too. I was never ever alone in this effort. And I wanna say thank you to everybody on the staff and the lay leaders, the board who did so much great work to just keep us cruising along as a church and do some pretty amazing things in the last four months. So thank you. A hundred percent. I know that's true. Thank you all. And Bob, thank you for returning the key to the church. I have it now back in my custody. I've never been so happy to give a key away. <laughs> it's great to be back. My sabbatical was a really important time of renewal and study and reflection, and I look forward to sharing the fruits of it with all of you throughout the months to come. I also really look forward to returning congregational life to our church campuses uh, this year, may it be so. And I understand Raven actually already has a little bit of news about that, something I was really glad to hear when I got back. Good morning. We have some great news. The COVID Advisory Council and church staff have made the decision to reopen our campus to First Unitarian small groups starting Tuesday, June 1st. We are not yet opening to outside groups. We will start small with our programs and go from there. Small groups are defined as 12 people or fewer. If you'd like to have your first U small group meet on campus, 
please contact our interim church administrator, Penny Fogelman at admin at uuabq.org. Our chalice lighting this morning is The Pride Flame by Linda Lee Franson. We light this flame for those who celebrate themselves, who fear, who hope, who persevere, who side with love for all. We light this flame for those who have been ridiculed, that they may find peace, for those who have fought to marry, that they may celebrate, for those who live in uncertainty in the world, that they may have hope. We light this flame to renew our commitment that no one shall ever again suffer for the right to love. We light this flame to celebrate our kaleidoscope of diversity, working, loving, and living on the side of love. For this, we light this flame. We are Unitarian Universalists. We are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. Hi, I'm Reverend Emily. Thank you to Reverend Angela and Reverend Bob for inviting me to be here. I wanted to show you something that sometimes happens to me, probably to all of us, when we are in community. To do this, I asked for some help from your ministers, from my covenant group, and from my family. Okay, let's start. Emily, it looks like you have something on your face. No, I, I don't have anything on my face. Hey, uh, you have something on your face. <laughs> you, you must be joking because, you see, I am an expert face washer, actually. I have actually studied face washing for years. What's on your face? <sighs> How dare you tell me I have something on my face. I'm leaving. I think you might have something on your face. Oh, everybody has something on their face. So just why mention it? There's nothing we can do about it. It's always been this way. Mm, you have something on your face. Funny you should say that because actually you have something on your face. Emily, you have something on your face. I have something on my face. Oh, what is wrong with me? I should just go back to bed. Oh, you have something on your face. Oh, I do? Thank you so much for telling me. I've been trying to get it off, but I guess it's stickier than I thought. Would you mind helping me get it off? Sure. Thanks. Oh, thanks. I think we'll get it. Look, thanks to my friend's help, I got all cleaned. So I wonder, when we think about being in community together as Unitarian Universalists, which of my responses was the one that would most lead to beloved community? See, when we are trying to build this community together, 
sometimes we might need to hear things that happen to maybe make us a little embarrassed or uncomfortable or ashamed. But it's so important to build our ability to respond with curiosity and humility and collaboration, especially when it may be something that we have done that has hurt someone, especially if it is out of our own privilege that we have hurt someone. So thank you for showing up to this community with curiosity and humility. What a great message. How often do we automatically respond in a way that in hindsight, we wish we'd done differently. Let's go ahead and pause the chat for a few moments during the meditation and prayer. And I invite you to breathe with me. Let your shoulders settle, relax a little. See if you notice tension anywhere else in your body that you might be able to let just melt away with the next out breath. How about in your core, in your belly? Are you holding any tension there? Here is a moment to let it melt and be gentle with yourself and simply be. And when you notice your mind wandering, just gently bring it back. Let's continue with two minutes of silence.
Each day we add a page to the story of our lives. At times, those pages tell of joy and gladness and other times of sorrow and concern. Our stories are woven together when we support others in moments of joy or sadness, and they support us in ours. These interwoven moments become part of the story of our community here together. Please share first your joys and then your concerns as prompted by the video. You can also choose instead to email caring at uuabq.org. vida nació un sueño de una vida nació una canción nació esta familia linda nació esta visión Nesa milpa por ahí, mamá. Usted regresará, mi daddy. Pluma de una pajarita. Mis hermanas, mis hermanos, somos agua y fuego y tierra. Regresará. La cometa del invierno, Manuel, José Manuel. Nació esta visión y usted regresará en esa milpa por ahí. hermanos, somos agua y fuego y tierra, regresará, va que bella es la vida, misteriosa.
all these joys and concerns, all these loved ones, we lift up to the great powers of healing, renewal, and celebration known by many names. And from the pastoral prayer list, I also want to add Elliot Arasmith, whose father died this week. Let us remember also the unnamed prayers, those too tender or too private to share, those that are hard to put into words. We remember all who need a prayer and aren't sure if anyone is praying for them, all who hold so much in their hearts that it's more than words can say, peace and blessings upon them and upon each person here this morning and especially upon all who are grieving. And we give thanks for the community that holds us and our loved ones in its thoughts, for music, for stillness, for multitudes of caring people. We give thanks for this fresh and ordinary morning, for life, which has lent us another day, and for all that gives our days their meaning. In the name of all that is holy, we pray. Amen. And peace be with you. And also with you. Will you join me in song? The words are in the chat box, and they're very simple and repetitive, so you can pick them up even if you're not seeing them. There is a love holding me. There is a love holding all that I love. There is a love holding all. I rest in this love. There is a love holding me. There is a love holding all that I love. There is a Our reading this morning is Yes by Muriel Rukeser. This version has a minor edit for curse words. You can find the unbleep version if you want by Googling the poem. 
Here is yes. It's like a tap dance or a new pink dress. A naive feeling saying yes. Some say good morning, some say God bless, some say possibly, and some say yes. Some say never, some say unless. It's stupid and lovely to rush into yes. What can it mean? It's just like life, one thing to you and another to your wife. Some go local, some go express, some can't wait to answer yes. Some complain of strain and stress. The answer may be no for yes. Some like failure, some like success, some like yes, 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 yes. Open your eyes, dream, but don't guess. Your biggest surprise comes after yes. I wanna begin with a moment of reflection together as we start this message for today. When was the last time you really played? Think back. A time when you were playful. Could have been just this morning or the other day, or maybe it's been a while now. If you've thought of something and you'd like to share it, I, you, you're welcome to go ahead and put it in the chat box. And ushers, let's make sure the chat box is open again, please. When was the last time you played? What did you do? Maybe you're wondering what counts as playing. How about this? When you feel playful, what does that feel like? Can you remember what it feels like in your body when you feel playful? Maybe it's a feeling that's lighthearted, a feeling of lift in our chest, that feeling we get when we feel carefree, the physical feeling of life's responsibilities and that kind of heaviness we sometimes carry just removed for a while. Might be accompanied by laughter or spontaneous smiles. When was the last time you felt that way? I've found that in the last year, playing has been more important to me than ever. One day I went for a bike ride in a butterfly costume. Totally recommend. There is nothing like the feeling of wings spread out behind you. It's just great. And it's a lot of fun to fly, ride past little kids when you're dressed in a costume. Another time I went roller skating with uh, oversized ladybug antenna on my helmet, my skate helmet. And I kept forgetting that I had the helmet on until I would skate by somebody and then they would laugh and smile. And then it would make me laugh and smile too. By the way, I skated by three members of this church who I recognized and waved to. And I don't think they recognized me. Probably weren't expecting that. Now you are. Well, maybe like frolicking around like that's not your particular style. That's okay. Other things count as playing too. And now I'm looking in the chat box and I see some great examples. Bouncing a baby on your lap, going sledding, 
playing Uno, watering the garden with a hose, that can definitely be playful. I think of other things too, like taking delight in the things around you as you meander along a path and follow your curiosity wherever it leads you. Throwing a ball or a stick for a dog and enjoying the game just as much as the dog does. Creating something like maybe art or music or writing just for the joy of it. How about getting absorbed in a story of some kind like a novel or a, even a movie or a theater performance that engages your imagination and brings you pleasure. That counts too. Or how about daydreaming? Do you ever do that? Just let your imagination wander. When my son was really little, maybe about three years old, one day he was playing in his bedroom while I was in the kitchen and I decided to go and check on him. And when I peeked in through the doorway, he was sitting with his back to me. Humans have the smallest shoulders when they're that age and I will never forget the sweetness of that scene. He had his back to me and he was playing with his wooden train set and he was humming. I had never heard him hum before. He was totally absorbed in his imagination and in his joy. When is the last time you felt like that? What all play has in common, says the play researcher Stuart Brown, is that it offers a sense of engagement and pleasure. It takes the player out of a sense of time and place, and the experience of doing it is more important than the outcome. It is something that is spontaneously done for its own sake. Last year, I put up bird feeders and I made bird baths in my yard so I could watch the birds be happy and playful too. I think that also counts. Now, I did not feel playful all the time, of course. No one does. There was a lot to be serious about in 2020 and there still is. There always is. But when things are serious, that might be when we most need our playfulness. And when things are serious, that's also what our playfulness has been preparing us for since we were little kids. There's a reason that playfulness is explicitly part of so many of the world's religious traditions. I mentioned Stuart Brown. He's a psychiatrist and he's the founder of the National Institute for Play. He became curious about the role of playing in human development when he was doing research on murderers, not where you would probably expect somebody to launch a play career. But the thing is that in his research, he started to notice, and this, I mean, it was really noticeable. It was pretty extreme and it stood out. He noticed that the people he was studying, people who had committed terrible, terrible crimes, almost always had a history of not being allowed to play normally as children do. About 90% of the time this was true with these violent offenders. And Brown got really curious about that. And he went on to do a bunch more research in less scary situations. And he realized that play is crucial for human development, especially in childhood, all kinds of play. Through rough and tumble play, we learn to take measured risks and we learn empathy when we experience the natural consequences of some of those risks. In cooperative play, we learn problem solving and communication. 
In imaginative play, we practice creativity and thinking outside the box. And in all of it, we learn about ourselves. If you think back to the ways you most enjoyed playing as a child, you can probably see a reflection of your personality, interests, and strengths right now. When I was little, I read a lot of books, I wrote poems, and I invented games where I was in charge. I was very small, but that did not deter me in any way. And I also hula hooped and skateboarded things I've also done in the actual line of duty as your minister. So. There you have it, right? Now, another really interesting thing about humans is that while other creatures in the animal kingdom also play, not all of them continue to do so after they are grown. And humans are one of the critters that do. It's a trait called neoteny, if you wanna be geeky about it, which I totally do. Neoteny means retaining immature qualities into adulthood. See, you thought that was a bad thing. It turns out that our playfulness, which humans are hardwired to retain all of our lives, it's actually one of our superpowers and it's helped us to be adaptive, resilient, and creative. We especially need those strengths right now, don't we? As we face all the challenges of this area, all the challenges, the ecological and social and spiritual challenges, as we tackle those, our playfulness and our joy are not a diversion but actually a strength and a resource that we bring to it. They're also irresistible, right? Who would you rather join forces with to work for a better world? The playful people, right? The people who've tapped into creativity and joy. So we retain our playful hardwiring all through our lives, but as we get older, people do tend to play less. You know, in our work-oriented culture, where more than half of Americans do not use all of their paid vacation days, play can be perceived as a waste of time. Also, our egos or negative self-talk might get in the way. Like, are there some ways you would like to play, but you're holding yourself back? Maybe you think that's too silly, or I'd look silly if I try to do that. Well, let me tell you something. The word silly comes from the old German word selig, which means blessed. So blessed be. Definitely don't listen to the haters, especially the ones in your own mind. Play helps us get out of our heads. When we become absorbed in it, we let go of the self-awareness that is so often accompanied by that inner critic. It's very liberating. We transcend ourselves for a while. I think this transcendence is one of the reasons that playing or playfulness is part of the world's religions. We see it in the many creative rituals, the music, things like liturgical dance, funny parables, jokes. Jokes are very disarming. They come in sideways at religious truths. The comedian Lenny Bruce is reported to have said, quote, I know my humor is outrageous when it makes the Unitarians so mad they burn a question mark on my front lawn. We hold the truth lightly, but that doesn't mean we don't stand for anything, right? That joke gets, gets in sideways at that religious truth. In Buddhism, there's a story about a young monk in the ninth century who asks a Buddhist master to summarize the essential teachings of the Buddha and the holy patriarchs. And that master replies, the Buddha is a bullheaded jailkeeper and the patriarchs are horse-faced old maids. 
Well, having studied Buddhism quite a bit, I take that to mean that we should not take the teachings on authority alone or merely parrot them back, but should see for ourselves whether they are true. If a teaching becomes unhelpful or untrue, then we should let it go, regardless of who taught it. Hold the truth lightly in order to stay true. Alan Watts, who was a lifelong Buddhist and for a short time also an Episcopal priest, said that the universe seems to be essentially playful itself in the sense that it is totally unnecessary. The universe seems to be essentially playful itself in the sense that it is totally unnecessary. It's not for a particular end. Well, that's an interesting idea. Watts pointed out that Hinduism describes the creation of the universe as lila or divine play. I think that the Jewish and Christian stories of creation also seem like divine play. You know, in them, we hear a story of God improvising, imagining things into being and enjoying them, seeing that they are good, as the scriptures say. And God creatively populates the earth in these stories with such creatures as tasseled wabagongs, red-lipped batfish, chocolate frogs, and the screaming hairy armadillo. Not named in scripture, but evident now. Look them up, those are real creatures. And tell me that's not a playful story. But as for Watts comments that the universe is totally unnecessary, well, I think that this is a pretty big theological claim to make. I mean, who gets to decide what the universe is for, right? I mean, if we go by the games I played when I was little, I do. But really to say that the universe is unnecessary it seems based on the question of whether there was a goal behind the creation of it, right? Like if you think that there's no conscious creator or that creation was only divine play without purpose, then according to that, that logic, the universe was technically unnecessary. And that's a forward kind of looking, there's an intention and then a creation. But there's another way to look at it, which is a backward way of looking at it. We start with now or even the future rather than with the past. And then I think we can say such things as, in order for there to be beauty and awe, the universe was necessary. It was necessary in order for love to take place, in order that existence could mean something. It was necessary that the bond between energies and particles, the interconnectedness of things, could be given extraordinary shapes. In that sense, the universe is as necessary as our apparently purposeless playing. Expressive, creative, sustaining. I'm gonna wrap this sermon up in just a minute, but before I do, do you wanna hear the funniest thing that happened to me while I was away? I went to a new healthcare provider for a checkup. And at the first appointment, the nurse asked if I would like to have my height measured. Sure, I told her, I'm over 40. This should be interesting. Let's see what's going on with my height. So I stood in front of this measuring thing and she measured me and she said, looks like you're five feet tall. Well, I have never been more than four feet, 11 inches tall in my entire life. I think I yelled, get out of here. She double checked and it said the same thing. No, I was not wearing shoes.
Now, the internet assures me that this is impossible and that the measuring device in this brand new medical clinic is probably not accurate. But wouldn't it be amazing if it were a side effect of the COVID vaccine? I had just gotten my second dose a few weeks earlier. I tell you what, if you haven't done it yet, I encourage all of you to go get vaccinated too, and then check your height and report back. <laughs> we'll see what's going on. As we wrap up, I wanna leave you with some words from another UU minister, the Reverend Marisol Caballero. She writes, to play is to pretend. And honestly, sometimes the world seems too heavy to leave the house, let alone inspire moments of joy. But the more I watch the news these days, the more I'm coming to view playing, intentionally seeking joy as a means of radical resistance. The more I watch the news these days, the more I'm coming to view playing as a means of radical resistance. She also offers a prayer, which I'd like to close the sermon with today. So will you join me in a spirit of prayer? The words of Marisol Caballero. Divine mystery, you are present in my joy and in my sorrow, anger and fear. Guide me to create joy in my life and in the lives of others that despair finds no permanent home in my soul. Amen. Beginning today, the Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico will be our Change for the Future recipient for the months of June, July, and August. The Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico provides information, referral, support, and advocacy for people in New Mexico with brain injuries. This CFF funding will be used to hire an outreach coordinator eight hours per week to organize volunteers, search for funding opportunities, meet with community stakeholders, and distribute brain injury survival toolkits to clients and their families. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. And if you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. Why do the day so fast if only time was built to last if it could learn to take it slow then maybe time at last would know Maybe if time 
What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thank you on behalf of the Brain Injury Alliance of New Mexico and all the excellent work that they do. Well, we're moving towards the end of our service, and you are invited to stick around and jump into a breakout room, talk to your congregant, your fellow congregants, or perhaps talk to your friends and family at home. And, and here's a little question, a, a conversation prompt for you. How has play helped you to live better? How has play helped you to live better? Putting that in the chat. And now we extinguish our chalices and candles. This is the day we have been given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us live wisely, love courageously, and bless all whom we are blessed to meet. Blessed be. <laughs> 